To begin today, I want to share the brief phrase, not from a long-loved hymn, but from a rap song. (laughs) A song that was uh, introduced to me by our older boys several years ago, and just a phrase from an Andy Minio song that says, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. As we work our way through Ephesians 6, I believe the real key to victory against the enemy is for us to stay ready. That we don't wait until we sense we're in some kind of spiritual battle to say, now what am I going to do? But when the battle comes in your life spiritually, that you are already ready. You're already prepared. If we stay ready, we don't have to get ready. We're taking these pieces of armor, God's armor, and looking at them one by one as we work our way through Ephesians. Today we come to the third piece of armor that specifically is the piece of armor of readiness. Readiness. Readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And it's for our feet. The image that is given to us for truth is a belt. The image that is given to us for righteousness is a breastplate. The image that is given to us for readiness that comes from the gospel of peace are the shoes or the boots of a soldier. And look with me, Ephesians chapter 6, and I begin reading, just pick up verse 13 for context. Ephesians 6 verse 13, Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Our goal is clear. As followers of Jesus Christ, the goal is to stand The Apostle Paul called it earlier in Ephesians 4, walking. Walking worthy of the call which you have received. Here he says, stand, walk, stand, stand firm. That's our goal. The metaphor is the soldier's armor. And he takes piece by piece and applies it to our spiritual standing and our battle for our life that we're in. Our enemy is distinct. It's the devil. He says in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. His character and his ways, he's evil, he's invisible, he's strategic. He's seasonal in his attacks. 
His goal is to devour and to deceive. But praise the Lord, he's limited in his ability and he is beatable. If there's any of you here today that believes that you're caught in a spiritual battle that you cannot win by God's strength and God's power, yes, you can. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Today, be reminded that no single piece of spiritual armor is enough. Repeatedly, the Apostle Paul says, take up the whole armor of God. No wasted words. Take up the whole armor of God. We need every piece. We cannot win in a spiritual battle against the enemy if we say, I'm just going to cling to truth. Or if we say, I'm just, I have his righteousness. Or I, I can share the gospel or I know the gospel. We need every piece. We need the whole armor of God to win the fight of our life. You could say in our context that wholehearted followers of Christ need the whole armor of God to fight the enemy. And listen to these phrases. We need a belt made of truth. We need a breastplate made of righteousness. And we need boots made of readiness that comes from the gospel. So how do we define these boots? How do we define these shoes? If you take notes and you like a title, when I file this message away this week, I'll label it under boots for battle. And how, how do you define these boots for battle? Here, here's a, a working definition for us. When we're talking about the readiness that comes from the gospel in our life, what that means, that means we have a ready confidence. We have a ready confidence of who we are in Christ because of our faith in a crucified and risen Savior. These battle boots, these shoes that we put on every day for the fight to be prepared, to be able to stand, means that we have this ready confidence of who we are in Christ. And so, questions for us to consider. Would you say that you're ready for the schemes of Satan? Are you ready? Are you prepared for the attack of the accuser? I'm not saying to the enemy, bring it on. I'm saying to us, when he does bring it on, are you prepared? Are you ready? Are you guarded? Are you standing? And I want to make this clear. Just this week, working through this passage of Scripture, thinking about the opportunity God's given us to be prepared. Remember this. Standing is not just the desired end result of the battle. Standing is the beginning posture of the battle. Our goal is not just to get to the end of the battle and be able to run up the victory flag and say, Hallelujah, I'm standing. The goal for us to win the battle is, is that when the battle comes, we're already standing. We're not warming our feet at the fire, so to speak, waiting for the enemy to sneak up on us unguarded. We're walking worthy of the manner of which we have been called. We're standing firm in who we are and what we have in Christ. 
So standing firm. With these boots in particular, what are we talking about here? He, he says, and as shoes for your feet. Paul looking around, thinking of the metaphor of a Roman soldier, has described the belt of the soldier, the breastplate of a soldier, and now these shoes. Many believe that he would be referring to the Greek word kaliga uh, there, that these would be the boots, particular piece of their, uh, their outfit for battle that would have been very thick and heavy-soled. They would have been open-toed. They would have been equipped with laces that wrapped around the ankles and up the calves and around the shins to hold them in place. And on the bottom of those boots would have been long nail-like protrusions, cleats, so to speak, that served the purpose that you certainly you can imagine. That When the soldier was in hand-to-hand combat, using the small sword that would have been part of his weapon as he held the shield and he waved the sword that he would have been able to lock into the soil, the dirt, the rock with those spikes on those shoes and stand firm. He would have been ready, solidly standing. So those, that's the image that he's using for us and he uses it in this picture of the gospel of peace. Readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The gospel, let's make sure we understand that. When somebody says to us today, we need the gospel, we're a gospel-centered church, or this is a gospel-centered preaching, or this is a, a book about the gospel, or do you know the gospel, or even the Apostle Paul says in Romans, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. What is that? It's critical for us to be able to know what that is because in many ways the enemy works to deceive uh, people about what the good news is and maybe they get a lot of the truth but there's add-ons and they say it's the cross plus this it's Jesus and the cross and the resurrection plus this it's, and this and make sure or there's just a completely just a false gospel false good news well, we don't have to guess at what the gospel is, thank the Lord. We don't have to contact a professor to tell us. We can contact God's word and see where the apostle Paul says, this is the gospel to which I brought to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So huge for us to know right where these verses are. It will be treasure for you in conversations with others when we talk about the gospel. The word gospel translated from the Greek word literally means good news what is the good news why is it good first corinthians chapter 15 verse 1 he says now i would remind you brothers of the gospel i preached to you i would remind you of the good news i preached to you which you received he said i preached the good news to you i preached the gospel to you and you received it and, and look how it all weaves together. He says, I remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you what? Stand. In which you stand. It, it, writing to the church at Corinth, writing to the believers in Ephesus, the goal is to stand. Stand in what you believe. Be firm in what you believe, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Verse 3, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. And here it is. 
Here's the gospel. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500. And he goes through this list of people where he made these uh, visual, physical appearances after he was buried and rose again. So what is the gospel? What is the good news? The good news is this. Jesus Christ died for your sins. Jesus Christ was buried according to the scriptures. And Jesus Christ rose back to life. And Jesus Christ appeared bearing witness that he was alive. There's the good news. Now, Jesus Christ died. That's history. That's a historical fact. There was a man, there was a person named Jesus who died. We know that in history he died on a cross. That's history. He was buried. That's history. There was a place where a person who died was buried. Jesus Christ rose back to life and appeared. That's history. All of those things people have done. People have died. People have been buried. Even we're told in God's word that people rose back to life. Now they would die later. So there's a different kind of resurrection. What makes this the gospel then? If this is just historical facts, what changes this? Here's the gospel. Here's the good news. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance to the scriptures. What Jesus Christ did in dying, historical fact, what Jesus Christ did in dying for our sins is salvation. That's good news. He took up on himself, according to the scriptures, our sin, our iniquities. Like we talked about last week, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. When Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel in Romans, for it is the power unto salvation, he's saying, I'm not ashamed of the fact that Jesus Christ died for my sins. I'm not ashamed of the fact that Jesus Christ was buried for my sins. I'm not ashamed of the fact that Jesus rose back to life, overcoming death and the grave and guaranteeing that sin was dealt with and life is eternal. He says, I'm not ashamed of that because it's powerful. It changed my eternity. It brought me from death to life. Amen? That's the good news. It's not Jesus died for our sins and was buried and rose again. Do the best you can out there. Try hard. Keep coming to church. Get baptized. Give a lot. Be good to your neighbor. No, that's not the gospel. The gospel is, is that we were wretches. We were lost in our sin. We were separated from God. We needed a savior. We were dead in our sins. And Jesus took our sins, 
died for it, paid for it, satisfied the wrath of God, was buried on the third day, came back to life, and lived to tell about it, and ascended to heaven, and he's coming back one day to get his bride. That's good news. Listen. That's the gospel. And he's saying to us, in the battle against the enemy, what you got to do is get that firmly in your heart. Cling to that belief so that when the enemy comes, your spikes of faith are driven deep into the foundation of who God is and who you are in Christ. And you'll be ready for the battle. Now, this gospel... He says it is the gospel of peace. What does that mean? That means that it's the good news of peace, meaning that there's good news that you can be reconciled to your creator. You may be in conflict with your neighbor over the garbage cans. You may be in conflict with your professor over a grade you may be in conflict with your spouse over your vacation destination. I mean, that's conflict. That's real. But the ultimate conflict is that my sin has separated me from an almighty God, the creator of the universe. And Jesus Christ makes a way for God and I to be reconciled. And when you're right with God, what does that mean? Many a people will say, I got right with God, or I made peace with God. If you're going to cling to that testimony, when your life is over, make sure that your peace with God and getting right with God is on His terms and not on your terms. To be right with God and to be at peace with God means that we come to God by the way that He has provided for us to come to Him. Ephesians chapter 2. We've been there before in this study. Verse 1 and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Verse 3, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Verse 4, but God... But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's peace with God. It's us believing that we are sinners and that Jesus Christ paid for our sins and the way we get right with God is to accept his sacrifice to trust Jesus Christ died to pay for your sins you believe on him you receive him and because of that the fruit of that is that you walk 
differently. You're a new creation. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The only way that you can make peace with God, be right with God, be reconciled with God, is to come to him through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's on his terms. Now, this last word, readiness. He, he says, put on these shoes that is the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And he's saying if you're settled in your faith, you're firm in believing that Jesus Christ died to pay for your sins, you have peace with God. Now know what comes with that. The fruit of that is, is readiness. It's so critical. Think about spiritual battles that we face again and again. Satan as the accuser. Satan as the father of lies. Uh, what does Satan do? He, he comes and even this morning, Satan has been lying to some of you. God would never save you. You've done so much wrong. He'd never forgive you. Nobody loves you. You've got so much more to do before God would ever accept you. These people don't care about you. Look at it. That person just walked right by you and didn't speak to you. Can you believe they would do that? He just, he just lies to us. You lay down at night and you're scared to go to sleep. You live in fear. What if I die? I don't know if I'll go to heaven. I don't know if I'll go to hell. And, and you're tormented by, the, by, by just the attacks of the enemy. You'll stand at a time of response and people invite you to pray for others or to share, your gospel, share the gospel with others. And in your mind, you're battling. It's like, how can I talk to somebody about Jesus? I don't know if I believe it myself. Why, you really believe that's true? And, and just these, these doubts. And here's what readiness does. When you firmly grab a hold of your faith in Jesus Christ, and you're standing firm in your faith, when those attacks come, you're firm, you're solid. You're, you're, there's certainty. There's assurance. There's a, listen, there is a settled confidence in the gospel due to this peace you have with God himself. Now, what's the impact of, of not being prepared? You, you could say, what's the impact of going barefooted into the battle? What if I don't put on these shoes of readiness? I'll mention a few of these to you. One, ultimately, is this. The impact of going barefooted into the battle, the impact of not being ready for the battle, is that you will spend what is worth the most on what is worth the least. God's given you life. God's given you a life to live. God's given you a life to live on this earth. His greatest, he's given us his son. He gives us life. And if you spend your life being defeated by the enemy, not ready for his battle, overwhelmed by the enemy, you will spend what is worth the most on what means 
nevertheless. Listen, Satan makes promises he cannot keep. And God makes promises that will never fail. And Satan will come to you and promise you some kind of life that you believe that's the good life. But he cannot keep that promise. God comes to you and says, I'll give you life and I'll give you abundant life. And that promise never fails. Is it worth it to spend what means the most on what means the last. It's a trade-off between what matters for eternity and what matters for temporary and for the moment. There are high costs involved if we're not ready in the battle. What else? If we go barefooted into the battle, we'll be ineffective. There'll be no power. There'll, There'll be no victory. We'll be sliding all over the place. We're like... We put on some kind of slippery shoes, you know, just like the soles won't grip and some wave of a storm comes or some doubt comes or some question comes and we're just all over the place in our mood and our emotions and our beliefs and we're just slight, we're ineffective and we'll be unfruitful. God's given you gifts, spiritual gifts. He's given you talents and experiences. He wants to use you and advance in his kingdom. And if you're going into the day losing the battle again and again and again, you won't bear fruit for the kingdom. You'll become self-focused. So we know this to be true that when the enemy has us in his crosshairs and he's winning, where's the battle we focus on self? And when we focus on self, the fifth thing it costs us is that we hurt others and we hurt ourselves. Let me just read some verses that speak to these things. James chapter 1. James chapter 1 verse 5. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. And it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verse 1. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you, your desire... And do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is... To no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. But he gives more grace. Therefore it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands you sinners and purify your hearts you double minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. There's a high cost for us to go into the battle without this certainty and security of being settled in our faith. So how do we put on the boots? How do we put on these shoes? How do we get ready for battle? How can we be found standing firm when the enemy attacks? Number one, examine your faith. 
Examine your faith. Do a test. Search your heart. Invite the Holy Spirit. There's nothing to be afraid of here. If you find out, you examine your faith that you're saved, hallelujah. If you find out that you need Jesus, hallelujah. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test? Talk to the Lord. Ask him to give you peace. If you can't get it settled, talk to the Lord today, right now. The, the victory in this room would be, for years, you, you, you just, you've been in church. It's just wish you back and forth, never settled. Why not today? Lord Jesus, I receive that you died to pay for my sins according to the scripture. I believe you rose again according to the scriptures. I believe that you appeared according to the scriptures. You did it for my sins. Here I am. I trust you. Save me. You know what the answer to that is? It's what the word says. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that's it. Number two, meditate on Scripture. That means read the Word. Read John 19 over and over and over. If you're struggling with confidence in your faith, read John 19 over and over and over and see what Christ did on the cross. Read Romans 1 through 8. Let the seed of that Word take root in your heart, giving you strength and firmness. Meditate on Scripture. Number three, memorize verses. God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's phenomenal to me, supernatural to me, to see how the verses that we've laid out really in many ways just said this list. But God's weaving them together in what we're studying in Ephesians right now in a supernatural way. Memorize verses. It helps us be prepared for battle. Number four, write out your testimony. I mean, like, I'm not just up here making noise. I'm, I'm like, do it. I'm not going to read them. I, I'll read it. If you'll send it, I'll read it. <laughs> but I, I'm just like, I'm not, I can't be your teacher. I can't, I'm not grading papers. I, I can't give you homework, but I'm giving you homework. It'll help you. For you to have in your heart and your mind what you believe about Christ and that be transferred through your fingertips out onto a page and you see it, it does something for you to be able to write out your testimony, who you were before Christ, how Christ changed your life, and who you are now since you know Christ. And number five, share the gospel. Like talk to somebody, talk to something, talk to someone. Share the good news of Jesus Christ. And here's how it helps us be ready. Philemon 6, the Apostle Paul says, I want you to share your faith because it will result in full knowledge of every good thing in us for the sake of Christ. You hear that? You know, people may get saved when you share the gospel, but an amazing thing that happens is, is that when you share the gospel, you get revival in your own heart. Thinking about all that God has done in saving you. And you're, you're talking to a person, can I share the good news with you? And you just go through it and all of a sudden, they're just looking at you like, man, he's excited. 
Share the gospel. And look, it doesn't, I want to challenge, it doesn't even have to be somebody that you believe is lost. Like just find a friend, find a pet, find somebody, talk to them, share the gospel. Go to your puppy today, Barney. I want to tell you, I was a sinner. Barney's like, mm-hmm. And, and, and I, what I'm, I, if you, it'll come through your mouth. You'll talk, tell, get, set your kids down. I want to tell you how your daddy came to know Jesus. Call your grandmother. Tell your coworker. Talk to somebody. Tell somebody the gospel. And number six, use your testimony on the enemy. This is how you get ready for the battle. Revelation 12, 11, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. It's not profound. It's the words of your story. It's when the enemy accuses, when he lies to you. So many, maybe you're battling with insecurity or doubt or anxiety and the enemy's just winning a battle as those demons come and attack you. And You'd be able to take your words of your testimony and say, let me tell you something, devil. Let me tell you something, enemy. I know what you're saying, but I know what Jesus said. And Jesus said, he who has the Son has life. Jesus said that whoever believes by grace through faith will be saved. And you have no victory here because my sins have been paid for. It has been done on the cross. I'm telling you, talk to the enemy. Somebody said, I, I remember my pastor mentor, Al Jackson, was I was a college student, him saying this, and he said, some people think that you shouldn't talk to the devil, that you don't need a relationship with the devil. And I remember him rearing back real loud, and he said, if I open the front door and I holler, scat, cat, he said, I don't want a relationship with that cat. I'm telling him to get out of here. And that's what we're doing with the enemy when we go against him and we give him the truth when he's trying to give us the lies. Use your testimony on the enemy. And here's the last thing. Lay it out the night before. Lay it out the night before. The battle is so real and so powerful against us that we don't need to wake up each day trying to get ready for the battle the night before we ought to just lay it out you know if you got to be somewhere early you got to be somewhere in a hurry you can't be late night before you lay all the clothes out they're ready you fix the lunches so that when the morning arrives you're ready and so to lay it out the night before would be when you lay down tonight father I'm going to bed, and when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to put on the belt of truth. Before I leave my house, I'm going to put on the breastplate of righteousness because of what you've done. And I want to grab the shoes and be ready in the gospel because you've saved me and made me right with you. And when the enemy comes, I'll be ready for the battle. Here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid for us that too many in this room every night are still praying Lord if I'm not saved would you please save me Lord if I'm not saved would you please save me 
Lord, I know I've prayed it before, but I'm praying again. And if you've never saved me, would you tonight, before I go to sleep, would you save me? And tomorrow morning when you get up and you head into your day, Lord, I'm going into my day. And if you've never, Lord, I, I want you to save me. But if you never have, would you save me today? Listen, friends, to win the battle. You need to move from a prayer that says, Lord, if you've never saved me, please save me. To a prayer that says, thank you, Jesus. For dying on the cross for me to pay for all my sins. And I rejoice that you are my Lord and Savior. And I am ready, firm in my faith. Back in the late 1700s, a man by the name of Edward Moat was born. His parents owned a pub locally. And they'd let him just do his own thing. And... Edward Moat said, all of my teenage years, I never even knew there was a God. I was just doing my own thing on my own. And then when he was 18, someone shared the gospel with him, and Edward Moat was saved. For about three decades, he was a cabinet maker. For almost 30 years, he was a very accomplished cabinet maker. And then he answered a call to be a pastor, to be a preacher. And for the next 27 years, he pastored a church in London. And one day walking along the street thinking about what God has done and the foundation of his word, Edward Moat penned these words that are probably familiar to a lot of you in this room. He wrote, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. And when he shall come with trumpet sound... Oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. You know the chorus? On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Let's sing that. Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground sinking sand all other ground is sinking sand I want to ask you heads bowed in this room and say pastor um, I need to I need to sell it once and for all today I'm trusting Christ alone for my salvation today's the day I give my life to Christ. I'm trusting him with my whole heart. From this day forward, I'm his. I believe. Anyone in this room, as the rest of the people pray in the top right now, would you just slip up your hands and pastor today, I'm settling it. I just want you to know, I want God to know, calling out Jesus to save me. In the top, just lift your hand up where I can see you right now. 
just want to pray with you. Anyone in the room? Slip your hand up right now. Yeah, okay, thank you. Put your hand down on the floor. Anyone here in the lower section? Just slip your hand up today. I'm settling it once and for all. Okay. In the room, it's just been a battle. Just back and forth, unclear, lots of doubt, uncertain, no assurance. You believe Jesus died, but constantly battling with doubts and a lack of assurance. I want to pray with you right now. And I would do that. If you just slip your hand up in this room somewhere, Pastor, please, that's me. Just slip your hand in the, in the room right now. Slip your hand high. Okay. All right, Father, um, to be saved and here, Lord, walking through this battle of assurance and doubts, hands lifted, and I want to pray. I don't know the names. You do. For the one Lord that raised their hand and said, they're trusting Jesus alone as their Lord and Savior. We believe, according to the scriptures, that a new name is written down in heaven. That the angels of heaven rejoice over one lost sinner that comes home. We rejoice. And Father, in this room, whether battle is with doubts or assurance or a lack of certainty, I pray supernaturally that your Holy Spirit would come and win in that heart. And help us, Lord, as a church to be ready in the gospel of peace to be standing when the attack comes and we'd be standing when the attack is over on Christ the solid rock we stand all other hope is sinking sand we exalt you Christ in Jesus name amen amen we're dismissed